Shalom, this is Ekin Yogan. Shalom, this is Amet, and I thank you for joining us today on Anchor for this Parsha segment called the Basora. So, um, I thank want you, to... thank you for having me, by the way. You're very welcome, Babakasha. So, I want to introduce all the listeners as well uh, that some of you may or may not know that we have the Avengers that are part of the Lapid and uh, currently speaking to us is the human Lapid, AKA Ha-Adam Ha-Lapid, which is a Yokanon. So just want to give him a quick shout out right now to everybody so that you know, and of course I'm Shomerman. So anyway, we are grateful for the opportunity to bring a Basora get you some on the Torah portion. So, this week is Parsha Beha Alotecha, or Parsha Beha Alotka. So many different ways you can say it, but <laughs> it all means the same thing. So, uh, Zakin, if you will uh, do the honors, uh, you can go first if you would like. Speaking from the Besorah. Yes, sir. Well, speaking from the Besorah, we know... Behotecha is about the uh, flame going up. The right. menorah, to the, the wicks, to all, everything to be pointing towards so that the light will be in front of the menorah. Yes. And, you know, Yochanan, the, the Besorah of Yochanan, John, uh, you know, he speaks about this mystical thought of light and that the Mashiach being this light. He speaks about it more than anybody else. Yes. Um, over and over again, he speaks about it. Um, so, you know, one of those places that he does speak about it is in John, Yochanan 8. All right. And in Yochanan 8, he says, I am the light of the world. This is Yochanan 8, 12. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Amen. So, you know, what does he mean? What is the light? You know, right. we know That's a great from, question. <laughs> what is that light, right? And we know from Psalms and from uh, Proverbs, so Tehillim Mishlei, that uh, the Torah is the light. Hmm. Um, Psalm Tehillim 119, 105, and Mishlei, Proverbs uh, 6, 23, both tell us the Torah is the light. Wow. And just a logical statement we know from John, uh, you know, 114, or 1 1 and then 114, that Yeshua yes. is uh, the word, the Torah made flesh. Hmm. Um, so he is saying, I'm the light of the world, which to turn it all back to the menorah. Yes. All Jews know when he <laughs> when when Yeshua made the claim that I am the light of the world, they know they would have known exactly he was referring to the menorah. Mm. Wow. So based off of putting everything together that you just shared, Yeshua being the Torah is an understatement. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> wow. So Literally, so as we're looking at 
the the lights being kindled it takes a cohen to do that and how this is considered according to commentary the greater offering according to um how the 12 nasiim from last week's parsha they gave their offerings and aharon is kind of sitting back like man i guess hashem doesn't accept me you know because i didn't get to bring mm-hmm. an offering for levy and i'm supposed mm-hmm. to be the head of levy and it's like no what you need to know right now is this is a greater offering and it will endure beyond the offerings that the nasiim are going to bring so there's this whole concept of a perpetual light that that has been kindled mm. and which the torah is the perpetual light right yeshua is the perpetual light You know, just if I can make a quick comment on that, I think people get, some people get kind of lost on that, being the fact that Yeshua isn't here right now. Mm -hmm. At least not in in the same way that he walked the earth before. And, um, you know, because you think of John 12, uh, 1235, I believe it is. He says basically something to the effect of, um, you know, the light, I'm here with you now, but um, in a little while, I'm not going to be here. Ooh. So walk in the light. Ooh. You know, so, um, and, and, and really and truly that we, we have to walk in that light. I mean, today, right now, we yes. have to walk in that light. Because if you don't, you're walking in darkness. And you don't know even, sooner or later, you have no idea what the light is, even is anymore. Uh, that's that's certainly happening in today's age, you know, where there apparently there are three genders now, and <laughs> people can um, change their gender. They have three options, and you know, so many different um, proclamations, so to speak, about who Israel actually belongs to. When Hashem clearly spoke that the land belongs to the Israel, to the Jews, and you know, there are uh, media reports saying that the settlers are causing chaos and havoc in, in Israel, you know, and it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> and the settlers being referred to as Jews. And it's just like, so we're going to call the people who the land actually belongs to settlers, you know, and then you got all the immorality that is just plaguing uh, the news and different uh, celebrities and things like that. And so and in a world like with all this going on, you know, it's just like now is more important than ever to make sure that we're walking in light so we can discern all these things. Because without that light, without that discernment, all this becomes confusion and people's heartstrings get played, you know, like fiddles. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is just it's, it's incredible to make sure that. You know, even though Messiah technically is not walking here on the earth, but his light is still here. It's perpetual, just like Aharon's kindling of this menorah. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's interesting. The the half Torah portion of this Torah portion is, is in the early chapters of Zechariah. Yes. But what's really interesting is in Zechariah 8, in Zechariah 8, it talks about the menorah and it talks about Yeshua and it talks, it's, it's about the branch. Oh my goodness. 
Um, and hopefully I'm, I'm thinking correctly. Um, I'm trying to get there to Zechariah. Um, I'm sorry. I said. Or is it three or is I'm it? I'm sorry. Eight? I said Zechariah eight. So it's Zechariah three. So it's actually is in the half Torah portion. Three. Um, cause it talks about Yeshua being the branch and how important that, that the, this branch is right. Because yes. it is, um, it says in, um, verse nine for behold, the stone that I've set before you, Yehoshua on this one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I'm engraving an inscription on it because Lord of hosts and I will remove the inequity of that land in one day. And that day declares the Lord of hosts, everyone who will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. And that would be the branches. And, you know, just for the listeners to know, I'm, I'm, I'll be giving the drosh to Shor Shalom this week. Come on. Bizrat Hashem. Bring it. And what's really, really interesting is it's so many, you know, in, in our walk that we're walking in where we're, we're following what Yeshua and, and his disciples, what they follow, which is being a Jew being in Judaism, following Torah, but yet knowing that Yeshua is the Messiah. Right. And in Hebrews, I mean, the whole reason why the book is written was to give courage to those now, to those who now, because they were meeting in the, the ports, the portico of the temple at the time. They'd been kicked out. They're no longer allowed to meet there. Um, you know, some of them aren't allowed to even go into the temple. And it's to give them encouragement because some of them, at least based on, if, depending on how you read Hebrews, some of them were thinking about going, you know, it'd just be better to go back and go with Jews and, and denounce Yeshua, basically. Right. And he's encouraging them. Listen, listen. Wow. <laughs> for it, Listen, it's so important you pay attention to the words that he said and that he, he did. He himself. And so we have to remember that um, that Yeshua gave us a parable. And I'm going to be bringing this up in the drosh. Yeshua okay. gave us a parable in Luke 19. And um, it's the one where he gave some money and said, take care of the kingdom. You know, and, and when he came back, um, he said, what did everybody do with it? Those that he gave, the gifts that he gave, what did they do with it? And because he says he's going to be gone a little while. And we have to remember, he's going to be gone a little while. Now, what is a little while? Oh, come on, man. But he is. He's gone a little while. And he tells us this is the important thing. Right. And, and I think it gets kind of lost because it's not exactly clear in the parable. But what are you doing with the gifts? No matter how long a little while is, it doesn't matter. What are you doing with the gifts that Hashem has given you? Super important. What are you doing with the abilities that Hashem has given you? How, listen, if you're hearing this message, you know that you should be following Torah. You know that that's Hashem's will for us. Mm-hmm. And so how, mu- how are you doing that? What are you doing to follow that? And listen, and if, I know I'm kind of going on, but one, one thing that I think is really important now, Really, really important. Listen, we can follow all the commandments we want. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this has been a problem within Judaism for a long time. 
we can follow all the Torah commandments we want, all the mitzvot, follow them all. But if you're not following with the correct heart, in other words, you're not following them with chesed, with kindness, and with, with love, On it doesn't right matter. It, it really doesn't matter. You have, if, if you don't have these elements and, and this mercy and grace with other people and showing them love and kindness, you can, the, the Torah commandments don't, really don't matter. So that's showing, in my opinion, that's showing the light that we're talking about here. The, the loving kindness, the love towards others. Listen, you can, we, we can all follow the Torah commandments all we want, but if you're not doing it in loving kindness... Right. You're not really, you're not really showing the light. Well, if I could tag on that. Absolutely. And, and I absolutely agree. You know, I was thinking about how, you know, what, we, what are we doing with those gifts? Because ultimately, with the coming of Mashiach, the return, it'll be for the building of the temple, the gathering in of the exiles and to complete our redemption. Mm -hmm. And part of our usage of gifts during that time is to actually build the temple, not in the Peshat manner that we would think, oh, yeah, let's just go storm the temple mount and let's go start laying bricks and mortar. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking about that whole entire concept and literally Tehillim 127 verse one is about building the house, namely the temple. And from Sefer Yarok, the big green book of Tehillim, get you some over here. It says, for Shlomo, if God will not build a house, in vain do its builders toil over it. And you just said that we can observe mitzvot all we want, but if we do it in such a way that's not pleasing to Hashem, namely without chesed, without love, what are we doing? According to the commentary on Tehillim 127.1, we're building the house in vain. And it says that David prophesied that Shlomo would build the holy temple, but that he would also marry an idolater, the daughter of Paro, on that day. And although Shlomo, listen to this key statement or phrase, although Shlomo had good intentions in doing so, namely to create alliances and influence the world for good, it was ultimately against God's will. Mm. And then it says, David therefore says, my son, of what use of it, or of what use is it for you to build the house of God only to stray from him? Because of your sins, God will not desire the temple. And if you will not build a house in vain, do its builders toil over it, since it will not endure. And that's Rashi and Metzudo. So I love how you're sharing that and how it's important that we know that while Messiah is away for a time, he will return. But what will he return to? Mm. So I know we're kind of past our segment here. So uh, if you will 
Uh, rejoin me. We'll be back after this. Perfect. All right. Welcome back. We are here for part two. <laughs> 15 minutes goes by quickly, doesn't it? I know. It's like, what did we share? Like one or two points? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just to kind of recap, we were talking about um, using our gifts to build up the house of Hashem and making sure that we don't labor in vain. Yes. Yes. Right. So, would you uh, like to share? Or, or sure. To continue? Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that is important mm-hmm. is following the Messiah, the Mashiach. And so, how the, do we do that? <laughs> um, well, one way, it's the easy way, is to say, what did he do? Right. Oh, come on, man. Yes. I, I know. Oh, it's, oh. This is a little easy, right? Um, so simple, did, right? <laughs> what did he do? What did he do? You know, and we know he followed Torah. Mm. But he followed it with that love and chesedness that we spoke about. Right. You know, and listen, you know, a lot of people think it's all this lovey, you know, lovey-dovey type love. And that's not the love we're talking about. Um. Uh, it's a different type of love. It's a, a righteous type of love. Um, you know, it's funny being part of the Beit Dean. Um, people, sometimes they come and tell us about, hey, this person's doing this or they saw this or that. Right. You know, and, and being part of the Beit Dean, sometimes we have to act. But most of the time we're just like, okay. <laughs> um, you know, Baruch Hashem. Uh, but we don't go out there and strike with the scepter rod of, of, of a shim. Why not? The, the scepter won't depart from Yehuda, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so but that's not time, what that means? That's exactly what that means. Wow. And we know Yeshua is going to be coming with that scepter since Psalm 2, Psalm 110, and so forth all speak of this scepter, and they're all messianic. Um, Psalms to lean. right? So we know we're talking about Yeshua having this scepter, um, but if if we don't allow people ever any grace, any mercy, mm. then if we just try and go and 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 run to everybody and in, in any and everything that they do wrong, I mean, how hypocritical are we going to be? Ooh, you just so, went there. So, so, you know, we, we kind of take a step back and over time, something may need to be said, or, you know, we, we, we delve in about it. We, um, we try to take opportune times to say something to people instead of just bringing down the hammer every single time. Wow. Um, something think- about uh, observing the mitzvot out of love, chesed, kindness. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. So going back to the beginning when I was mentioning that we got to follow Yeshua, mm-hmm. it's really important that we don't fall away from him. Ooh. Does that, okay, my question is, does that happen if we're uh, Torah observant? 
Absolutely, it happens. Listen, within you, you go to many synagogues today. I'm not talking about all of them. You go to many synagogues today, and it's it's all it's almost like it's lifeless. Mm. Um, and why is that? Because they don't have the Mashiach. Wow. They're st- they're still waiting for him, Baruch Hashem. Yes, Baruch Hashem. And one day he will come, and all of them. You know, we'll look up and more, but to this day, they don't have him. Right. For what, you know, Hashem has veiled those eyes and, and his, and his, you know, perfect wisdom, they'll be revealed. Um, but that's what Hebrews is, is really encouraging the people to do is listen, don't fall away. And not just from the Mashiach, but also from the living God. Wow. Because that's what, you know, the whole section of Hebrews 3, 12 through 19 is all about. It's all about not falling away from an, with an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another to continue in it. Not, that, um, not to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We know what happens with sin, right? Right. Uh, is it, yep. is it Zechariah 8? It's either 8 or 12 that talks about um, sin basically hardens your heart. And, it, and so we know that sin hardens your heart. And, and so he goes on in, later in this section of Hebrews 3 that, and to whom, whom did he swear in verse 18? Whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. So which was it? Was it disobedience or unbelief? Man. It's both. Because you're going to be disobedient when you don't really believe. Mm-mm-mm. So your, belief, your disbelief is fueled by your disobedience. Because ultimately, as you're taking steps to fall away from Mashiach, which would be disobedience to the mitzvot. As you are more disobedient, the more and more you will come to not believe in Hashem because you're you're distancing yourself from Him. You're covering your eyes, so to speak, so you can't even see Him anymore. Yes, and and we were speaking the other night Man. about about the Mashiach and 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 listen, Judaism today doesn't over you know overall doesn't believe the Mashiach has come yet. Okay, and they don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. Okay. Okay, and but the the fact is, they say that you know that there's there's no nothing in the Torah about believing in in the Messiah for salvation. Okay, Are you about to go there with it. I am about to go there with it because it's important. Bring it. It's important. I love this. So the 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 aspect, or this is what you have to think about. One, we know that Moshe said that there will come another. And to his voice you must heed. His voice you must heed to his voice. Mm. So whoever he's speaking about, we must heed to him. But two, for for all those, you know, for all Jews who don't believe in Yeshua that are, that are listening to this, you have to ask yourself, if the Mashiach comes and you don't heed his voice, are you really going to receive, are you going to be redeemed? Listen, let's not, let's remove the word salvation because... I'm not talking about a Christian salvation. Right. That's important. 
We're talking about being redeemed here. And are you going to be redeemed if you don't heed the voice of the Mashiach? That's the question. And we all know the answer. <laughs> we should, anyway. Yeah. That's right. It's a rhetorical question. You don't need an answer because you already know the answer. I mean, because if I could tag and just ask the logical question. So if you don't hearken to his words, if you don't believe in him and he's actually the Mashiach, if you play out that scenario, when he is gathering in all of his faithful followers who have endured through the exiles, they've endured to the end. You are still out there wherever the people are being gathered from. And you're going to still be waiting on someone because you're seeing the one that you have said, no, nah, that can't be him. No, nah, I don't want to listen to him. And you've placed yourself in the disobedient disbelief channel because that's a downward spiral. I mean, that's kind of a place of hopelessness almost. It, it is. Um, you know, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of Ezekiel 20. Mm. Ezekiel 20, 33 through, I'm looking here, 38. Um, and he talks about his wrath being poured out. And he talks about he will bring you, being the Jews, he'll bring you out of, from the peoples and will gather you. And uh, then you will enter judgment. And then he'll take towards the nations his scepter, his rod, which he talks about in Tehillim 2 and Tehillim 110, this rod. He, I will make you pass under the rod and bring you into the bond of the covenant. This, that's in 37. And then I will purge from you the rebels, those who, who transgressed against me. And I will bring them out of land. And, you know, in that first segment, I'll talk about Luke 19. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly what Luke is talking about. Because in, in, or Yeshua is talking about in uh, Luke 19. No, in, in Luke 19, when I was talking about the parable. Oh, the parables, Luke 19, okay. Yeah, okay. So the parable in Luke 19, um, let's see here. He says, uh, I'll say it's Luke 19. Um, I have to be looking for that because it actually might. Oh, yes, it's okay. Luke 19, and in verse 20, 27. He says, but these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, right. bring oh. them here and slay oh. them in my presence. Snap. Which is, this, which is the rod. Okay. I'm, I'm going to Tehillim 110 because yes. that, that's intense. You going to that green okay. book? Do what? Are you in that green book? I'm in the green book, man. <laughs> you know, I, I've learned that, you know, you just kind of never enter into Psalms without it. <clears throat> but let me get it. <laughs> so while you're doing that, I want to start with verse two. Because, you know, I made the the probably untimely joke, but it was a joke nonetheless about the scepter not departing from Yehuda mm -hmm. and how, you know, 
it's surprising. It, it obviously it, it might really actually be surprising to some that you know the Zeke and Neem of Sar Shalom are not like really come down, hammer down like all the time, you know, because sometimes that is portrayed uh, by false <laughs> notions. But you know, coming from the mouth of you know one of the Zeke and Neem, one of the Bait Dean saying no, that's not how we roll is is like. Okay, so if you can't get it from the source, like, then I don't know. Might need to get some help. But 102 or 110 verse 2 says, God will send the staff of your strength from Zion. Commentary from Mezudot says, You will triumph not by dent of your own strength but with the power of God whose presence is in Zion, which sounds a lot like our Haftar portion, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. It says, I don't know. So it also goes on to say, alternatively, when you return from battle and your men are tired, God will send Melchizedek, king of Shalem, which is Jerusalem, to bring you bread and wine. And then it's talking about the staffs here, and it basically says that Aharon's staff, upon which the almonds miraculously grew, was the staff of Yehuda. Okay, so king and priest, like right here. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> because, you know, the staff of Aharon is so important because this is the staff Hashem said, I choose this staff to be the, the ruler, like to be the true Cohen over all the people. The one who will bring forth that balanced, mitigated judgment because the priest is not about bringing the judgment, but he's about bringing in the mercy that meets the judgment, mm -hmm. which are all the sacrifices. So, if I can just kind of finish this last line here, it says, others say it was the staff of Moshe. Okay, not going to get into that, because that's a Josh for another time. This staff was then kept in the temple until the latter was destroyed, at which time it was hidden away. Yama 52b. In the future, this staff will be in the hand of Mashiach. May his arrival occur speedily in our days. So there's that rod you're talking about. Apparently, it's a mix of Yehuda, Aharon, and even Moshe's staff, which we know was a staff of Sapphire. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen these two staffs mixed up or interchanged or side by side, because the very first thing for delivering the people from Mitzrayim was the battle of the staffs. And it was Aharon's staff that was thrown down, turned into a serpent, turned back into a staff and ate the staffs or serpents of the magicians. So this whole thing about the staff being in the hand of the Mashiach as he comes for the final redemption, that's the same picture of the first redemption. It was in the hand of the Redeemer to come get his people. Amen. I, I, that's the first time I've seen that they're like, well, it was probably Aharon's staff. Well, some say it was Moshe's staff. 
And, you know, as a Lapid, we're like, oh, obviously, yes, because when do these <laughs> staffs seem to not work together? Right. Well, and, and, and really, uh, the, the throne, I mean, you can see the throne, too, looking through the different Talim and so forth. Uh, the throne, he says, is God's, but then he also, that is forever, also talks about Mashiach's throne is forever. So, mm. we, who's, who's this forever? Woo. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> mm -mm. <clears throat> All right. So, we're going to have to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Sure. All right. Are you there, Lapid? I'm here, live and well. All right, Brooke Shum. So uh, before we went to break, we were talking about this staff, and we're talking about the throne, staff taken from the throne, the sapphire tablets taken from the throne. Okay, it's all just coming together. So I will let you have the floor. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, there are so many of the Tehillim, the Psalms, are about the Mashiach um, mm. and, and talking about this throne and this scepter, this, this authority that the Mashiach is going to have. It, it's spoken of in Psalm 2, Psalm 110 as we were reading, Psalm 72, Psalm 45. Uh, you know, so many, so, so many of them are talking about the Mashiach. And, and some believe that oh, it's really talking about David or maybe Solomon or this or that. Well, they are. Mm. But they're also about the Mashiach. <laughs> and wow. um, for us, we, you know, because some of the anti-missionaries, you know, they really speak against this. Um, but as you're reading from the Green Book, you know, Big Green Book, um, and you can go to the Midrash Tehillim or, or different... Uh, uh, tractates and so forth in the Talmud, they all show that, you know, these Psalms were, uh, were about the Mashiach and the sages believed in it, uh, mm. that they were about the Mashiach. And so I just want to point that out just because, you know, so many times so many people get kind of thrown off by the anti-missionaries, but say, oh, they're not, that's not the Mashiach. It's about Solomon or about David or whatever. Well, they are, but they're about the Mashiach. Ooh, as well. Okay. So, we can extend that over to Yeshayahu 53. Yes. Because 50, 52 and 53. Oh, because, right, because you got to read 52 to know what 53 is talking about. Yeah. Who 53 is talking about. But, you know, with Yisrael being a name of Mashiach, you know, it's just kind of like, well, yeah, of course. Because if you say that 53 is talking about Israel, not Messiah, then. That insinuates you don't understand Mashiach. Because if there's no Mashiach, there is no Israel. Right. right. And so you have to keep your eye on him. You have to. And that's what, you know, here in a few tour portions in uh, Bami Bar 21, mm -hmm. we, we got the, the snake being lifted up. Okay, just like in this week's Torah portion, when it says that the lamps have to be kindled towards the center of the menorah. Yes, because you're all focused on that. You're really focused because that, that makes one light. 
Oh, it makes one. Oh, man, I wish I could remember where I saw that. But it, it talks about, the, listen, that doesn't make seven lines. That makes one line. What? Really? Really? Just do that? I'm the vine and you're the branches? Yes, really? it makes one. Um, <laughs> Come on! <laughs> and, and so, you know, Yokanon. I mean, you know, he's one of my favorite. You know, I like that that name, Yokanon. You like Yokanon? I like Yokanon. Man, I would have never, would have never thought that. <laughs> um, so you know, Yokanon. Um, you know, he talks about it, and I'm trying to remember where exactly he talks about it. He talks about the the snake being lifted up, and so the, the Messiah, he's lifted up. Oh, you and want so, that verse from Yokanon? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to remember what that verse is. It's chapter 3, and I feel like it's like a verse. I thought three. it was 14, but I'm looking at it, and it's not 14. 314. Right. So let's go with 3, and it is. Oh, wait a minute. My bad. It is 314. I was in chapter 4. All right. It's 314? Yes. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the is. wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Wow. Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up. Um, but so uh, you know that lifted up right there is the same concept of these lamps being kindled. Yes. In Parshabehaalotka. Yes. Which you you do know what do you know what the Torah portion Excuse me. Bahalatecha. <laughs> yeah. Know, right. Do you know what the root word of that is? Aliyah for real. Absolutely. Going up to that beam up. <laughs> <laughs> Allah, I heard that in the song somewhere. So you know. <laughs> That's amazing, though. Like, that word, like, understanding what that really means, you know? It, it is. Um, because the only way to make Aliyah is to make Teshuvah. Oh, <laughs> now <sighs> that's that's incredible. You um, would think that teshuva is like this thing where it's the opposite of ascending, because you feel like, oh my gosh, like I messed up. This is horrible. I'm wrong. I'm actually wrong, and I thought I was so right. But now here I am, confessing, being flat, lower than a snail on the ground, and I'm like, this is the point of ascent. Yes, because you've entered into humbleness. Woo! Wow. And, and that's where, you know, going back to Yochanan, Yochanan 12, it talks about that's he who loses his life. Oh, snap. He who loses life, he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. You know, those verses are also in Matthew and like Luke. You don't have to quote Yochanan all the time. Yeah, no, I'm just a little, you know, biased <laughs> towards the guy. Um, but I really like 1232. Okay. And I, if, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. That's right. They can yeah. see this light. All men. For if, they, if they just walk in the light. Mm, mm, mm. 
when he because he's taught because he's referring he's not referring to right now or, or then at that time period and he's not talking about in this time period today right now he's talking about listen when i come back all men will be drawn towards me what he's not talking about just right now oh my goodness so that's that's the whole idea behind he's he's not with us right now in person, but the light is still here. Yes. And if 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 you ignore the light, you walk in darkness. So if you ignore Torah, you walk in darkness. It's that simple. It's that simple. Man. Okay, so support tag. Yeshayahu chapter 60, verse 3. I always pray this on Shabbat after the Shemone Esrei. And it is that the nations come to the light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Because mm. there's this whole understanding that, you know, those who are in great darkness will see a great light and they will walk in it. The nations will walk in this light. So that light apparently only happens from the followers of Yeshua who are walking into Shuva, making Aliyah and, and being obedient to the Torah and, and sharing forth his message to the world, not only with our words, but with our actions, with our deeds. Mm -hmm. So we're creating that opportunity for the nations to see the light. And when you're walking that... When you're walking that out, you're extending that light. Yes. It's, it's one light. It's one light. It's, 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 it's like this. When you take a candle that's already lit and you take another candle mm -hmm. and you put it in there and, read and, have, and light the non-lit candle from the candle that's lit, that's you don't right. diminish the flame. It's, it's from the same source. It's the same light. Wow. No you know, it. that's that's Hanukkah. We get to see that. <laughs> Absolutely. Man, that's such a blessing, you know, because it's just like as simple as Rabbi Griffin, a.k.a. Captain Yisrael, when he brought down, if you're observing Shabbat or uh, Sukkot, you're literally abiding in Messiah because you're sitting underneath the shadow of his wings. When you sit in your Sukkah. Mm, mm, mm. And so now if we are talking about the light and how the flame isn't diminished, Hashem gives us eight days, eight nights to see that, to see what that looks like, to literally fix and focus our eyes upon him who is the author and perfecter and finisher of our emunah. It's, it's not just that we're celebrating, you know, eating uh, fried donuts and latkes. <laughs> it's just like, well, yeah, that's a part of it. Because guess what? Every time Mashiach shared Torah to people, there was just so happened to be food all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, good night. That, uh. That verse about the nations walking in light is also in Revelation 21, 24. That says the nation will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. 
Yeah. I mean, this, is, this is the city that's built on the hill. And, and that's eventually what you'll be clothed with when in the wedding day of the Mashiach. Wow. Right, that's oh, Revelation 22. Is that Revelation 22 or 20? I forget which. What, the wedding day, the clothing? Correct. That's where it's in there, right there. Um, and, and really, you have to read that in, what is it? I think, actually, I think it's the King James you have to read that in. Okay, 20 um, is the final judgment, lake of fire. Must be 21. New heaven, new earth, new Yerushalayim. Coming down the city. I actually, I actually think you have to read it out of the King James because uh, other. I just I just pulled down. Man, I haven't pulled this book out in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Got to blow off them cobwebs over there, huh? Oh man, um, don't look in King James a lot. Um. Are you talking about the one where the garments have to be washed and they can partake of the tree? Um, um talking about where we know they're gonna be they're gonna be washed or and earth and that all all your works, all your works are your clothing. Oh yes, that's twenty two. Uh fourteen. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city for the... No. Not that one? No. Because the footnote, it says that do his commandments. Like, that's how we wash our garments. Yes. But the, where it talks about the wedding dress, your wedding dress. All right. Recalibrating the search here. Um... Because it talks, and it still may be 22, but it talks about that you're, of course, you know, as I'm looking this up, I also reminded in 2219, my reward is with me to give every man according to as his work, his deed shall be. Um, you know, it's something to consider because when he comes back, he's going to judge us based on what we did, you know, Ooh. and 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 I don't ever recall it's going to say he judges based on what we believe Oh, because you you show what you believe by what you do. Oh, snap. Revelation 19.7, along with what you just said. <laughs> Maybe that might be the one you're looking for. Man, you all right over there? What just happened? <laughs> oh, man. I am not finding this verse. Yeah. Uh, I'm, that's not, oh, go ahead. That's, that's not, not it. That's not what I'm thinking about. It's, man, it's been so long since I went into this King James. <laughs> it was given to clothe her in fine linen, bright and clean. The marriage of the land to come as... Fine linen, clean, white for linen. Oh, that's it. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Um, that is it. Eight. Nineteen eight. Nineteen eight. Um, I don't think that's another one, right? I always. 
Okay, then that's not it. Because, <laughs> nice. um, because, um, but that's all right. It's all right. It, that makes my point. Nineteen eight makes my point. Um, it was given to her the, to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So mm. th- it makes the point. So um, if we don't have any righteous acts, which are Torah mitzvot, because that's the only righteousness, which comes from Mashiach, then we're not we're not going to be properly dressed for a wedding. Absolutely not. And we know about. Um, we know about how appropriate it is to be properly dressed for, for a show. Yeah, because if not, you do get kicked out. <laughs> it's not fun. All right, so uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back after this. All right, are you there? I am here. All right, Brukashem. I found another Revelation verse, by the way. Okay. 12.1. A great sign appeared in Hashemayim. You know, I'm going to read this one to King James. All right. (laughs) King James. Melik Jimmy is what we call it. Okay. Um, And there appeared a great wonder in Hashemayim, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Yes. That it? No, no, no. It's definitely like in the 1920, 21, 22. Uh, but that, that 1908 did give, that wasn't the verse, but it did give what, uh, actually, make the point that I was trying to make. Brukashim. Other than that, we will put an APB out on that other verse and track it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some later time. Yes. Yeah. So, while we're talking about clothing and we're talking about light and we're talking about the menorah, isn't it interesting that the person who's kindling the menorah is wearing at least eight uh, different layers of garments? And I'm talking about the Cohen, namely Aharon, who ignites the lamps. Eight. Yes. I don't think I was aware of that. Yes, there are uh, there are eight priestly garments. Let me get a source on you real quick. It's my search moving. All right, Shemot twenty eight, and also we have. Uh, a recovering of it in Vayikra, but the priestly garments from Shemot 28 says, starting in verse 1, have Aharon, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Itamar, so that they may serve me as priests. So the first thing it breaks down, it says, um, Let's see. There are two. There, these are the garments they are to make: a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. So then it says they are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aharon and his sons, that they may serve me as priests. 
have them use the gold and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. Okay, so there's six right there. Rogue. Um, gonna search it over here. Garment to priest. <laughs> Functions of the priest garments. T-shaped wool garments. Oh, come on, man. Did you have anything you'd like to share while I'm rehashing this here? On... Um, Regarding the clothing of the um, Cohen? Yes. No, because you know, that's actually something I don't have a lot of, uh, other than, you know, the only thing I can uh, really bring is I know um, it, when he performs the Ola service and removing the ashes, you know, he each time he removes a level of sanctity, in other words, he moves the ashes from the altar to the to the place next to the altar to the outside of the camp. He changes his his clothing um, to a less sanctified piece of clothing, mm. um, which I think is really interesting. For some reason. I thought there were eight. I just saw some. Eight items are listed for the Cohen. Get that list out then. Come on, Oaks. Booting up. This is by way of Chabad. Well, my, my whole point that I was wanting to make was that in order for the menorah ultimately to be lit, it's a combination of one who's clothed appropriately, doing the action that it takes to kindle the lamp appropriately, and the lamp we know is Mashiach, so it's the fusion of clothing ourselves in righteousness, being clothed in righteousness, and walking in righteousness and ultimately connecting with he who makes us righteous.
Mm. And, he, and obviously, the Mashiach does make us righteous. Um, yes. Not from the standpoint of what typically Christianity speaks about, um, mm. and that he's literally the Passover sacrifice. Um, because he doesn't meet any of the requirements for a pass. Shouldn't say he did the sacri- It's not a sacrifice. He's not in the temple. His blood's not poured on the altar. Um, he wasn't kosherly slaughtered. I mean, there's so many points there. He doesn't really truly meet a sacrifice. It's a different when we're when we're using the word sacrifice. We're not we're not referring to a sacrifice as a sacrifice in the temple. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's our atonement. Um, laying down that life for us as if he was a sacrifice. Wow. Well, the sacrifices that then are a picture of ultimately what he is. And so as we're seeing these sacrifices, we're seeing like, quote unquote, a shadow of things to come, or we're seeing like the type and shadow of what Mashiach actually is and what his mission ultimately is done for us. If we're seeing the sacrifices, we're getting to have the opportunity to understand and know. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I found the eight garments. It says there are four garments that are inner and four garments that are over. So it includes the breeches, like the linen undergarments, the tunic, the girdle, and the hat. And then the overgarments is the robe, the ephod, the breastplate, and the diadem, which is commonly called the zitz. So it's the inner and outer garments that completely make it into eight. Okay. There we go. Woo, I can sleep tonight. Okay. <laughs> well, and I actually, in Revelation, found the verse. I was getting my context wrong, but it's still... Oh, still come wrong. on. But it was referring to the Revelation twenty-two fourteen, which we, we already did read. Regarding right. who has the who has the right to the tree of life? Okay, that's the one who it's only in in the King James. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into His gates into the city. Um, for some reason I got that crossed up with uh, the nineteen eight. I don't know why, but um. You know, and I'm looking at the Ivrit of that verse, 2214. Uh-huh. And it uses Ashray, you know, as in, you know, blessed, like the Beatitudes, and also like Tehillim 45, or 145. And it says, Et mitzvotav lema'an tiye mem shaltam. So, like, literally, we're blessed and we're fortunate when we do the mitzvot for the sake of the right and the uh, the the access and the authority to the tree of life. Mm. Which, remember, the tree of life, last time we read in Bereshit, well, anytime we read in Bereshit, that there's this flaming sword. Uh oh. They're like cutting up people, you know? Can't get past it. <laughs> but apparently, you get past it with the authority of 
purifying and cleansing your garments, namely through keeping your eye on Mashiach and following him doing mitzvot. Mm-hmm. You get to the tree of you get to the tree of life, which is Torah, through following by doing Torah. Uh, wow! <laughs> Come on, man. Rabbi Griffin also said, you know, Mashiach is the path and the destination. Yes, yes. So, I mean, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> well, Rukashim. So, um, do you have anything else that you would uh, really be burning, pun intended, to share? Um, <laughs> you know, if, if I display, if I give too much more, I'll be getting well into my drosh. All right. So, well, I'll have to save it for the drosh. Save it for the drosh. So, this is a shameless plug <laughs> of a commercial for Come to Sar Shalom. On Shabbat, Beha Alotka, for some get you some lit teaching right here. But uh, in all seriousness, though, Zakin, uh, you're amazing. And I pray Hashem will truly bless your preparations and finalizing everything for the drosh. And it has been so amazing to take this time to open up a new segment of the weekly tour portion. For the Basora, because you know, sometimes we are never uh, complimented on, which is not really a motivation, I guess, but uh, we're never told that we really spend time in the Basora, you know, as Torah observant Jews who follow Mashiach. It's just like, well, if you follow him, how come you don't quote Paul's letters or <laughs> Revelation? And it's just like, but we do. And so we did. Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. <laughs> So let it be known. Let it be heard. Well, Baruch Hashem, um, would you close us in prayer for our study time? Absolutely. Hashem, we thank you, Almighty God and King, for you are Lord and your God. And Lord, I pray through all of our Torah study that it be not in vain, Hashem, that we walk it out in love and kindness, Hashem. The love and kindness that the Mashiach himself showed. Hashem, that we may be all walking menorahs before you. Mm. That, Lord, that your light will shine through us. It's not our light, Lord. But it's your light so that you will be glorified. So that you, your name, you will be one, Hashem. May, may this teaching, Hashem, be a light for you. Hashem Yeshua, amen. Hashem Yeshua, amen. Well, to the listeners, to the Rabbah for tuning in. May Hashem bless you and illuminate you by his Ruach. Zakin, the human lapid, bless you. May you have a Shavuot Tov. Thank you. And, and again, thank you so much for having me on. I enjoyed it. Um, as I always do, speaking with, with you. Amen. Well, blessings and shalom. Shalom. <laughs>